Hi friends, I'm Arpita Karwa and in this audio lecture, I'm going to talk about basic English project. Now, basic English project was developed by the British linguist Charles K. Ogden and I.A. Richards. So, C.K. Ogden, O-G-D-E-N and I.A. Richards together developed what we know as basic English project. What is Basic English Project? It is a version of English language in which he developed a dictionary of English language which contains only 850 words. So, in this Basic English version of English, he removed all other words and only limited the number of words to 850. Cut down the rules for using these words and said that if you want English, to be used as lingua franca, that means international language. I've already discussed lingua franca in detail in the previous audio, you can refer to that. So, these two guys, they believe that if you want English language to be a medium of international communication, we need to develop the very, very simple English language using basic words like run, came, bake, chop, dance, move, all these words should be used and communication can be made possible by using these words. The term BASIC is an acronym for British American Scientific International Commercial English. British American Scientific International Commercial English. Okay. It was developed around 1930. And the interest in basic English declined in 1940s and people started rejecting this project. But it's important to understand basic English project because it helped English to become lingua franca, to become a language which can be internationally learned and used for communication and for other purposes. Let's have a look at a few questions which was asked from this particular section. In January 2017, there is a question, Basic English, a simplified and fundamental framework of English, was formulated by, and the correct answer is I.A. Richards and C.K. Ogden. In June 2012, there was a question, C.K. Ogden and I.A. Richards were reputed in 1930s for introducing Correct answer is basic English project. In June 2012, they asked us to identify the correct statements and the correct statements were basic was an experiment initiated by C.K. Ogden and I.A. Richards from 
if you remember the time of world war first we know that the entire world was in a state of discomfort and various issues were taking place in different nooks and corners of the world one such issue was taken up by a man called sir henry newbold sir henry newbold who served in world war first he wrote a report on the teaching of english in england and wales and he presented this report to the board of education in 1921 so there was this report written by him and later he became the chairman of this committee which is board of education now the report was entitled as teaching of english in england and the report argued that english was unduly neglected as a subject in many schools he insisted that english should be built in such a manner that it should become one of the most important and dominant language of the world so this report covered whole range of education from elementary schools to universities and he kept on arguing throughout the report that the understanding of literature should have a critical role in education and emphasis should be placed on teaching students how to form well constructed arguments this report established the foundation for modern english studies and professionalized the forms of teaching of english language and english literature so before this report english literature was not given so much important importance in the school curriculum in college curriculum but it was after this report that people started believing in the importance of literature it established a canon argued that english must become the linguistic and literary standard throughout the british empire and in this report he even proposed salary rates for lecturers he said that if we want the education system to develop we need to give good salary to the lecturers and for many years this report was known as the standard work for english teachers in teacher training colleges they were reading this report analyzing it and seeing the importance of teaching english literature to the students now that we know a bit about newbold report it's time to look at a few questions which were asked from this particular section in december 2014 there was a question the first major report on teaching of english in england was published in 1921 it is known as dash named after the chair board of education dash so it is known as newbold report named after the chair board of education sir henry newbold in december 2015 there was a question which of the following is not true of the newbold report teaching of english in england number 1 it was commissioned in 1921 that's true number 2 it urged the teaching of national literature number 3 it proposed the teaching of english literature at the university level and number 4 it aimed at uniting divided classes after the war so the incorrect option is it aimed at uniting divided classes after the war because it 
focuses on English literature, English language. Therefore, it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, uniting the different social classes after the World War First. So that's it for this audio lecture. We'll meet soon in the next audio lecture. Till the time we meet next, happy learning, keep loving literature, and stay Hi friends, I'm Arpita Karva and in this audio lecture I'm going to talk about 13 important terms that you might encounter when you are going through linguistics. So let's begin with the first term. The first term is neologism. N-E-O-L-O-G-I-S-M. N-E-O-L-O-G-I-S-M. Neologism. Neologism is new word or phrase that is not yet used regularly by most speakers and writers. So if you've heard of the word portmanteau, P-O-R-T-M-A-N-T-E-A-U-S, P-O-R-T-M-A-N-T-E-A-U-S, portmanteau, which is also known as blend words. When you mix two words and you make another word, smoke plus fog is smog. So smog is a neologism, that means it's a newly coined word. So neologism is either a new word or when you are giving new meaning to an existing word. So these days we have so many new words like selfie, like smog coming up. And Shakespeare himself coined so many words. So all those words were neologism at that time. They all were new words. People were not using them so frequently, but now they, those words have got into the English dictionary. So neologism means any new word or phrase that is not used regularly. It can also mean an existing word which has been given a new meaning. The next term that we are going to discuss is register. R-E-G-I-S-T-E-R. Register in linguistic context means that every situation you encounter, you are going to speak in accordance to the context. For example, suppose you meet the Queen of England. You are not going to say her, hey dude, what's up? No, right? You are going to say, it's an honor to meet you, your highness. Whereas, if you are meeting your best friend, you will not say, royal highness. You are going to say, Hey dude, what's up? Okay, so what you've done, you have changed your vocabulary according to the context. The language you use when talking to your friends is not the same language you would use when you are meeting someone as important as the queen. The difference in language formality is known as register. So there are two kinds of register, formal register and informal register. For example, if you are writing an academic essay or you are drafting wedding vows, you are going to use formal language which is known as formal register. The academic essay is formal because it includes polished speech, complex sentences, precise vocabulary. Similarly, what wedding vows is an excellent example of formal language. But when you are meeting your friend, you are writing a Twitter message, you are writing a Facebook um, status, then in that case, you are going to use informal language, which is known as informal register. So register is the difference in language because of the context. So it can have formal tone or informal tone. The third 
term that we are going to discuss is lingua franca lingua franca l i n g u a lingua franca f r a n c a l i n g u a lingua franca f r a n c a lingua franca is a language or mixture of language used as a medium of communication by people whose native languages are different for example in india the native language is hindi suppose i want to interact with a chinese person now he would speak in chinese so there's a difference in native language now i need to have a language which i can use in order to communicate to this chinese person and this language is known as lingua franca lingua franca also known as trade language contact language international language and global language so the term lingua franca refers to english literature nowadays why because english language is a common language that can be used as a means of communication for speakers belonging to different countries speaking different native language so lingua franca means using a language which can be used in situation where the native language is not safe so suppose i'm communicating i'm a spanish person i'm communicating with french person now i cannot communicate in spanish language because he is not going to understand so in this case what am i going to use i'm going to use english which is a global language and it is also known as a trade language because if i want to trade with different parts of the world there should be a common language which can be used by anyone so that's lingua franca now we come on to the fourth term which is pidgin p i d g i n p i d g i n pidgin pidgin means simplified language that develops as a means of communication between two or more groups that do not have a language in common same situation just like lingua franca there are two groups they have different native language now how are they going to communicate now when english was not there uh, as a global language nowadays it's used as a lingua franca it's a global language whereas earlier english was not a global language in that case when two groups having different languages communicate with each other they are going to develop pidgins now what are pidgins pidgins are language which is highly reduced language with minimum vocabulary and grammar restricted primarily to the function of trade so there were times if you remember during the victorian period when british people would come to different parts of the world and they are going to use uh people in order to grow plantations and or they have to take soldiers and then take them to different parts of the world so in that time what happened is that this trade plantation system was growing and the main problem they faced was that britishers did not know the local language whereas the local people did not understand english so what they did they developed pidgin now pidgin is a language which is very minimal very minimal and different pidgins grew across the world for example there's a chinese pidgin english that means when english people went to china they started mixing english and chinese together in order to 
make the Chinese people understand what they want. Okay, and this developed into Chinese pidgin English. A very good example of pidgin is there in my house. We have a maid who is Bengali. Like she doesn't know Hindi, she doesn't know any other language. She just knows Bengali. Now she's working in our house from past 10 years. So whenever we want to tell her that today you need to clean this part of the room, we are going to use a mixture of Hindi and Bengali. And she also communicates in a mixture of Hindi and Bengali in order to make us understand what she's trying to say. So we are going to say, uh, we tell her Masi, okay, that's a word that Bengali people mostly use. So we call her Masi, so we say, Masi, udar ka kocha mardo, okay, or we would say, uh, Masi khana khabo. Now, this is a mixture of Bengali and Hindi. This is fiction. And we are restricted only to the work she is doing, so we have not developed this language. We are learning so minimum vocabulary and grammar we know but still we are able to tell her what to do and she is able to tell us what she wants so pidgin incorporate words from both source languages that means both the language okay uh, in our case Hindi and Bengali it is going to take words from both the language and it is going to have a simplified grammatical structure just enough to allow communication for some limited purpose okay Next we have Chiron, C-R-E-O-L-E, C-R-E-O-L-E. Now Chiron is a fully functional language of its own. It develops from Pidgin, but then Pidgin is not a complete language. Pidgin is a very semi-developed language. Today if we start using this Pidgin that we've developed, Bengali, Hindi Pidgin, we cannot communicate in like communicate in most of the areas but Kirol is a fully functional language it has a complete grammar full expressive power that is very different from the source language so Kirol language develops spontaneously among children who live in a multilingual community suppose uh, we start using this Hindi Bengali mixture with various other people and there's a child who uh, is born in our family. So from the beginning, the child is going to hear us using Bengali and Hindi mixture. Okay, a new kind of language which is which has taken words from both Bengali and Hindi and it has a different grammatical structure altogether. This language is going to be known as Kirol. So Kirol is a stable natural language that has developed from Pidgin and it has become nativized by children as their first language. So, our children language ko lag jayenge, so they will have this as a native language, this Hindi-Bengali mixture. And understand, Kirol develops from Pidgin, but Pidgin is not a full form. Pidgin is half-hearted language, Kirol is a fully functional language. It has an entire grammar, it has got his own vocabulary. So, language is one which can be used in order to talk about different things. Currently, we are just limited to the work she is doing at, at our house. That's it. In case of Kirol, this particular language that we've made out of Hindi and Bengali, this language is going to be so good that we can even communicate in this language and we can talk about various issues. So, vocabulary ki dikkat nahi ho. If you remember Middle English, what was it? There was Old English, then 
ओल्ड इंग्लिश के बाद में फ्रेंच पीपल दे अटैक इंग्लैंड एंड देर वॉज अ फ्रेंच इन्वेजन तो नॉर्मल पीरियड स्टार्टेड एंग्लो नॉर्मल पीरियड एंड अ लॉर्ड ऑफ ओल्ड इंग्लिश स्पीकिंग वुमेन दे मैरिड टू द नॉर्मल फ्रेंच स्पीकिंग फॉरन एरिस्टोक्रैट्स एंड देन डेवलप्ड अ न्यू इंग्लिश विच इज मिडिल इंग्लिश तो मिडिल इंग्लिश बिकेम मिडिल इंग्लिश एंड इट केम इन टू बींग फ्रॉम टू लैंग्वेजेस ओल्ड इंग्लिश एंड नॉर्मल फ्रेंच बट देन इट वॉज सो गुड एंड किड्स वो टॉट इन द सेम थिंग दैट इज बिकम इट बिकेम अ फुल्ली डेवलप्ड लैंग्वेज विच इज नाउ नोन एज मिडिल इंग्लिश लैंग्वेज इन विच चौसर रो सो रिमेंबर लिंगवा फ्रांका इज अ लैंग्वेज विच यू यूज इन ऑर्डर टू कम्युनिकेट वेन टू पीपल डोंट नो द कॉमन लैंग्वेज इन टूडे सिनारियो इंग्लिश इज नोन एज लिंगवा फ्रांका then you have pidgin when there is no language like english and two different community people needs to talk to each other they are going to use pidgin that is some uh, words they are used going to use from two source languages they are going to mix them together just so that they can communicate about the trade or about business but when this language develops fully it becomes kerol now we move on to the next type of term which is dialect now i'm pretty sure you must be aware of what dialect is dialect is a variant of a language okay it's a regional or social variant if you remember thomas hardy's novel tess of the derby village in that tess is a girl from a lower class so she speaks english in a lower class dialect whereas we have different people who are from upper class in the same novel and they are going to use same in english but then there is a difference because they belong to the upper class okay now there is a difference between kerol and dialect kerol is a separate language altogether whereas dialect mein ye hoga ki ek hi jagah mein panch tarah ke english ke dialects bole ja chuke hain for example if you remember uh, my audio lecture on chaucer i was telling that chaucer used mid uh, mid west dialect now what is mid west dialect in england if you divide england in four five parts there's east england west england north england south england and mid east england jo area tha wahan pe english ka ek particular dialect bola jata tha this is what is meant by dialect the dialect means when you speak differently from the standard variety of the language so there's a standard english and then you're speaking english you know bit different way from the standard variety of english that is called a dialect the next term is collocations c o l l o c a t i o n c o l l o c a t i o n collocation is a sequence of words that co-occur more often than you would expect by chance two words who are always used together for example we mostly say strong argument you gave a strong argument you gave a weak argument now strong and argument are two words but we find that most of the time if you want to say that the argument is really good we would we would not say it's a good argument we are going to say it's a strong argument so these are two words which co-occur more often than you would expect them to occur by chance then deep thought another collocation deep thought another collocation is heavy traffic heavy traffic now heavy and traffic these are two words which are going to occur 
more commonly than any other word with prefix. So that's collocation. Moving forward to the next term, which is homonyms. H O M O N Y M S. H O M O N Y M S. Homonyms. In linguistics, homonyms means words which sound alike or which spell alike but have different meanings. Yeah, the sound same hai, yeah, spelling same hai, but they have different meanings. Okay, two words which sound alike, two and two, T W O two and T double O two. Both of them are pronounced in the same way, yet they have different meanings. T W O two is numeric two, whereas two means I'll have tea and coffee two. So that's iske saath ye bhi hoga add. Then two words which are written alike but have different meaning. The noun beer, B E A R beer, okay, that's the animal, and the verb beer, beer with me. Both are written in the same way, yet both are different. So these are homonyms. Either they have the same sound or the same spelling, yet they have different meanings. Now we are going to look at the next term, which is pragmatics. P R A G. M A T I C S P R A G M A T I C S Pragmatics. Pragmatics is the study of how context affects meaning. That means different sentences, uh, same sentences are interpreted in different ways in different situations. For example, in the bank, there's a cashier who asks me, "How are you, ma'am?" Now. The same "How are you?" is asked by a doctor. My response would be different. In case of a cashier, I'm going to say I'm fine, thank you. Whereas, if a doctor asks me, I'm going to tell how am I feeling, what all illness I suffer from. So you can see the question "How are you?" is going to be answered differently by you depending upon the situation you are in. That's pragmatics. Context is going to affect the meaning. The next word is. Ichmon, E T Y M O N. Ichmology, I'm pretty sure you must have heard. Okay, Ichmology means the origin of the word. So Ichmon also comes from the same term. Ichmon means an early form of word at earliest period of development. That means every word goes through a period of development. Okay, if you look at the word I, E Y E I. Today we write it as e y e, but during the old English period we used to write it as e a g e. So e a g e is an ichmon. That means it's the earliest form of the word, and now the word has developed over a period of time, and now it is written as e y e i. So ichmon is the earliest form of the word, and how it has gone through a period of development. The next term is. Code switching, code switching, C O D E code, S W I T C H I N G, code switching. Code switching means when you practice alternating between two languages in conversations. Being from India, we have this habit that we are going to use both English and Hindi together whenever we are conversing with our best friend. For example, I have this peculiar habit that. Uh, Whenever I see something very beautiful, I'm going to say this is so sundar. Now, what am I doing? I'm using two words and I'm alternating between two languages. This is so 
is from english whereas sundar is a hindi word so i would not say this is so beautiful i'm saying this is so sundar so this is code switching when you alternate between two languages in conversation the next term is cognate c o g n a t e c o g n a t e cognate cognate means word sharing same origin or same ancestor okay so cognate is when there's a word which is going to have the same ancestor in english there's a word gratitude whereas in french there's a word gratitude e is missing it is g r a t i t u d e now both these words are having the same ancestor okay so cognate is every language is going to have words coming from different languages in english we have words from spanish from german from french and these words are going to share the same ancestral root same origin hoga wahan se uska english kuch ban gaya aur uska german kuch ban gaya so this is called cognate whenever you are learning a new language a cognate is an easy word for you to remember because it looks and means the same thing if in english i find a word like karma p a r m a karma now as a hindi speaker karma is very easy for me to understand because the original root is from hindi so i already know what is karma in hindi so when we use the same word in english it becomes easy so any word which is going to share the same ancestral origin that's cognate a very good example of cognate is when you look at the french word gratitude now if i am an english speaker and i'm learning french when i see the term gratitude i'll automatically understand that okay this means when you are appreciative about things when you are grateful about things so it becomes easy for you to understand that word finally we come on to the last word that is back formation now what is back formation in linguistics back formation is the process of forming a new word in the beginning of this audio lecture i told you about a term neologism which means forming a new word now by using back formation you form a new word and how do you form a new word you actually remove the actual affixes from another word and you make a new word so back formation is a shortened word created from a longer word okay that is why it is called back formation ek bade word se kuch cheeze hata ke aapne ek chhota word bana diya that is known as back formation a very good example of back formation is when you remove the suffix aapne ek word hai usme se suffix ya prefix hata diya and usko fir aapne dusri language mein ek naya word bana diya that's back formation in december 2012 they asked us a question the word resurrect r e s u r r e c t the word resurrect is the word resurrect is back formation kaise because the word resurrection was a noun in latin and it was used as a word in english it was borrowed from latin into english and action hata diya tha uska i o n hata ke resurrect ek word bana ke use आपने यूज कर लिया इंग्लिश में सो इट वॉज अ वर्ड ओरिजिनली फ्रॉम लैटिन एंड रिसरेक्शन वॉज अ नाउन इन लैटिन उसमें से आपने आईओ एन हटाया दैट मीन्स आपने कुछ डिलीट किया एंड यू यूज इट एज अ 
word in english so it's totally opposite of adding suffix so aap suffix add karte ho koi word mein flow mein aapne ly add kara whereas in box formation what you do there's a word slowly in french usme se aapne ly hata ke flow ko borrow karke english ki dictionary mein dal diya okay so these were few important terms which you must know when it comes to linguistics now let's have a look at a few questions in june 2012 there was a question what is neologism neologism is a word newly coined or used in a new sense in june 2012 there was another question what is register so register is a variety of language used in social situations or a language specifically designed for the subject it deals with so whenever you are using a context specific language that's register in december 2012 there was a question an extremely simplified form of language used for oral verbal contact among a community whose members speak different languages but do not share a common language in order to fulfill essential needs of communication which of the following is the best described term for this definition and the correct term is pidgin p i d g i n pidgin is a very simplified form of language used in order to fulfill needs of communication when both groups don't know same language in september 2013 there was a question collocations refer to collocations refer to grouping of words in a sentence words which appear more naturally than other terms december 2014 question homonyms are words that correct answer homonyms are words that are spelled similarly but have different meaning in december 2013 there was a question choices of linguistic forms in using a language or how a language is actually spoken written especially one that differs from its prescribed grammar means what utterance use usage or or deviation how a language is actually spoken written especially one that differs from its prescribed grammar ek tarika hai likhne ka but aap thoda sa different tarike se use likh rahe ho what is what what is it is it utterance it is use is it usage or is it deviation the correct answer is usage you are using it in a different way what is the usage that means aap ek term ko 10 tarike se kaise likh sakte ek hi baat ko 10 tarike se english mein kaise bol sakte that's usage in june 2013 there was a question system of social rules that a speaker knows about language and usage it is called what system of social rules ek social rules jis tarike se aap language bologe that's known as pragmatics in september 2013 there was a question an extremely simplified form of language used as a contact language among speakers of different languages is its pidgin P-I-D-G-I-N. In January 2017, they gave us four words and they asked us to match them with the definition. The four words are pragmatics, cognate, ichman, and code switching. Now, if you look at the correct definition, 
then the definition of etymol is etymological source of a word code switching is defined as changing from one language variety to another in a discourse cognate means words with common ancestor and pragmatics means rules governing the social use of language so that's it for this audio lecture we'll meet soon in the next audio lecture till the time we meet next happy learning keep loving literature and stay tuned to arthakarbar.com Karva. In this audio lecture, I'm going to talk about evolution of English language. Now, when I was talking about Old English period and Middle English period in the first module, that is British literature, I discussed the formation of English as a language. But in this particular audio lecture, I'm going to take you through the three periods of English, and we are going to see how the evolution of English language happened. So the first period is Old English, that is from 450 AD to 1150 AD. The second period is Middle English, that is from 1150 to 1500 AD. And the third period is Modern English, that is from 1500 till today. Now, before we move on and look at the three periods, it's important to understand what is inflection, because we are going to talk about this term in each of the periods. So what is inflection? Inflection, I-N-F-L-E-C-T-I-O-N. I-N-F-L-E-C-T-I-O-N. Inflection refers to a process of word formation in which items are added to the base form of the word to express grammatical meaning. In simple terms, inflection is when you add a suffix or a prefix to a base word. And you try to talk about the grammatical meaning by adding these extra letters to the word. For example, there's a word, girl, G-I-R-L, girl. Now, when I add S to the girl, it becomes girls. Now, this S is inflection. And it tells us about the plural form. Okay, it indicates the singular or plural form. Similarly, if you take the verb, by b u y by and if i add s to it by it is going to tell you about the tense if i uh, if i change the word and i say brought or if i add ed to a word like walk you are going to get the indication of the tense or if there's a word big and i add er to it or est to it it will become bigger biggest now 
it helps us to understand the adjective so comparative and superlative form hota hai when you add certain letters to a word so inflection is when you add a prefix or a suffix and by adding these letters to a base word the grammatical meaning changes so nouns are inflected in the plural cat is there i add s to it cats so in order to make a noun plural we add inflection then verbs are inflected in various tenses okay walk 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 then adjectives are inflected in the comparative and superlative form big bigger biggest so this is how inflection system works now we are going to see how inflection changed over a period of time so let's begin with the old english period that is from 450 to 1150 ad so we all know that history of english language really started with the arrival of three germanic tribes that invaded britain during the 5th century ad who are these three tribes i've already mentioned in the old english uh, period lecture also in the first module the three tribes are angles saxons and jutes a n g l e s angles saxons s a x o n s saxons and jutes j u t e s so these three tribes angles saxons and jutes they were from came to england the current day england they to england so they invaded england they came from germany crossed the north sea and came to england now at that time when these tribes were coming to england in england there were already certain people living so the inhabitants of britain or england at that time they were speaking celtic language c e l t i c celtic language now these tribes angles saxons and jutes they pushed the original inhabitants of britain to the area which we today know as know as scotland and ireland and that is why celtic literature is very popular in ireland i've already discussed celtic literature and celtic um, mythology in the module number 8 literary terms so what happened originally the inhabitants of britain were speaking celtic language these inhabitants of britain they were pushed away to scotland and ireland and who settled in britain the tribes angles saxons and jutes now these tribes angles saxons and jutes they came from northern germany and that is why you can see that a lot of words in english language are from germany okay so they have got germanic root because the original people who started english language they were from northern germany so angles specifically this tribe angles they came from england e n g l a l a n d e n g l a l a n d england okay so angles they were originally from a place called england and they spoke a language which was called english e n g l i s c e n g l i s c okay and from this word english developed the word english so english was derived from the word english okay so angles they settled in britain and they started 
now known as Old English. Now the Old English alphabet is in form of Latin letters. If you look at the Old English language, if you uh, anytime Google the Old English literature and you see the words, they are actually from Latin letters. Why Latin letters? Because if you remember, during 4th, 5th century AD, a lot of countries were converted to Christianity. St. Augustine was spreading Christianity. If you remember my audio lecture on uh, Christianity in the module number 4 that is European literature, you will understand the fact that since Christianity sprung from Rome and the official language of Rome was Latin, the entire world was converted to Christianity and Latin alphabets were given to them, okay, in order to be used. So, Old English literature, Old English alphabet in form, is in form of Latin letters because when these people, Anglo-Saxons and Jews were living in Britain, Britain was converted to Christianity. So, because of the influence of Christianity, Latin influence also mixed up in English language. Now what happened next is that Vikings invasion happened. V-I-K-I-N-G. Viking, who are Vikings? They are Nordic people. That means they are people from North. N-O-R-S-E, Norse. And these were tribes who invaded England around 8th century AD. Now because of that invasion, a lot of old Norse words entered into the English vocabulary. Abhi tak English vocabulary mein Latin ka influence hai and Germanic language ka influence hai. Now, because of the Viking invasion, a lot of Old Norse words entered into English language. And few examples of Old Norse words are knife, husband, give, take, egg, run. All these words are actually from Old Old Norse language and they were taken into English language. Now this period of Old English is full of inflections. So this period was a period in which English language underwent a lot of inflection because during most of its period the endings of the noun, adjective and verbs, they had lot of changes in the words. For example, today we have three forms of verbs. Okay. For example, there is a word like swim. So, it is going to have swim, swam and swam. Three forms of swim. But in the Old English literature, in Old English language, there were five or six forms of verbs. Similarly, nouns also had a lot of different inflections. In today's scenario, in modern English, we just have S or ES added to the noun in order to denote the plural. But at that time, there were different, different categories of nouns. A lot of words, uh, letters were added to a word in order to change the grammatical category. That is why we know Old English as a language full of inflections. So, this was Old English period. Now, we move on to the Middle English period. That is from... 1150 to 1500 AD. 
we know that in 1066 AD Normans conquered England so a Norman conquest happened which introduced French into England as the normal language of ruling class so French started dominating England and French rulers were ruling England so what happened French language became the language of the ruling class so from 1066 to 1200 anglo norman period or norman french period was established so all the documents which were there in the courts they were written either in latin or in french they were not written in english and we found that french language dominated the people only the peasantry and the lower middle class people were speaking english whereas all the upper class people and aristocratic people were speaking french so now after germanic influence after viking influence we have another influence on english language which is the french influence that is why a lot of words in english language are from french okay from french language now there were four principal dialects during middle english period the four dialects were northern english east midland english west midland english and southern english northern english east midland english west midland english and southern english so basically if you look at the country england you will find that it's in four parts we can divide it in four parts north south east and west and in four parts different dialects of middle english were spoken so at during middle english period different different types of english were spoken in england but later we would see that a standard english will be established and that english would be spoken throughout england now what about the inflections during the middle english period so during this period the inflections which had begun to break down towards the end of the old english period became greatly reduced so old english mein bahut zyada inflections the ek word mein different different letters add karke uske different forms banaye jate the but in middle english period that started to decrease so now english had lesser number of inflections so if you look at old english period you will see that during the old english period germanic influence was there old north influence was there on english latin influence could also be seen on english during the middle english period french influence norman french language was spoken that is why french influence was there on english now we move on to the third part that is modern english now what happened modern english started to develop when the 100 year war ended so during the 100 year war french people were in conflict with the original british people so britain and france was at war and finally at the end of 100 years war france left england and now it was england who started to dominate its own country so england became a free nation 
and because now England was a dominant ruler, English became the language of power and influence once again. During the Middle English period, French people were ruling England and that is why French was the language of power and influence. Now when France has lost control over Britain, on Britain, English became the language of power and influence once again. And when English re-emerged from the shadow of French as a literary language, no one dialect enjoyed supremacy. During the Middle English period, there were four dialects and different dialects were spoken in different parts of the country. Southern, East Midland, West Midland and Southern. What happened after this 100 year war, there was no one dialect which enjoyed supremacy. The part of England that contributed most to the formation of the standard dialect which developed after the 100 year war was the East Midland district. And therefore, East Midland type of English became the dialect of London which is the most important city of Britain. So, East Midland dialect was now known as the standard English. And we could see the same thing in the works of Geoffrey Chaucer as well, who is known as the father of modern English. For the first time, he used modern English. And that is why he is known as the father of modern English. After Chaucer came various other writers. We had Spencer, we had different, different dramatists. But the most important influence on modern English was of William Shakespeare. Shakespeare's influence on the development of English language is very unique and you would not believe that he invented about 1700 words. So words like alligator, puppy dog, fashionable, all these words are actually given by William Shakespeare. So he used these words in his plays, in his sonnets and these words later became a part of the language. With these new words came new vowels that needed to be pronounced in a whole new way using the front of the mouth. So now this shift in language was known as great vowel shift. Vowels were now spoken from the front of the mouth. Mouth ke aage wale hisse se vowels bole jate the and this shift is known as the great vowel shift that happened during the English renaissance. During the renaissance another important thing happened, invention of printing. Now what happened was that because of the invention of printing, books became cheaper and more people learned to read. Printing also brought standardization to English because when a book is printed, one kind of dialect was written. Okay, so spelling and grammar became fixed. Dialect of London, that is the East Midland dialect, it became supreme. And most of the publishing houses were establishing their own branches so that they can produce more and more books. Now what happened next? From around 1600, English colonization of North America started. Because of which another type of English evolved which is American English. So when the influence of Britain started to be seen in the North America, people started speaking English in North America and that kind of English which was spoken in America is known as American English. 
so uh, colonization also had a very major impact on globalization of english because the colonies which were established by britain they all started speaking english as a language so english language became a global language from 1600 next what happened if you look at modern english period another important thing which influenced it is the advancement of technology and the industrial revolution that began around 1760 so between 1760 to 1840 new words began to emerge industrial revolution created new means of transportation like steamships and trains this meant that people were able to travel much farther than before and they were able to experience different cultures and dialects almost half of the scientific and technological outputs between 1750 to 1900 were written in english exposing more people to english language than ever before so this is how english as a language developed over a period of time approximately if you look today 375 million people across the globe speak english and more than 50 countries have english either as their official or as their primary language and the most amazing thing about english is that it is still evolving from the development of local dialects and slangs in countries like us south africa new zealand and cities like new york oxford singapore you can find that new technical words new vocabulary is always introduced and english is in a constant state of flux now what about the inflection system in modern english by the time english language entered modern english its development was still continuing and the original inflectional system disappeared entirely for this reason the period is described as the period of lost inflections nowadays we don't have so much inflection in the language old english was much more inflected language than modern english uh, as i've already explained inflections or changes in words usually at the ending that indicate how the word is to be used okay in modern english there are just a few inflections left okay for example there's a word bob bob now if i put apostrophe s it becomes bobs bobs pen bobs diary that's one inflection that still continues old english went through a long process of dropping inflections but still used them for things like indicating if a noun was a subject a direct object or indirect object now if you look today we use same noun either in subject or in object or in indirect object okay old english mein ek noun mein aap different different letters add karke usko alag alag sentence mein position karoge subject mein alag word use hoga direct object mein alag use hoga and indirect mein alag use hoga whereas in modern english we use the same word in the place of subject in the place of direct object and in the place of indirect object that is why modern english is much less inflected than old english now that we've looked at the three periods of english language it's important to look at a few questions in june
2015 there was a question the word order in modern english became relatively fixed because why the word order is fixed as i've already mentioned that same noun is used in subject in direct object in place of indirect object that happens because modern english has lost its highly developed inflectional system we are now not having a highly developed inflectional system we have lost that development okay old english was highly developed inflectional system whereas now we have lost that highly developed inflection system because of which word order has become relatively fixed in december 2013 they asked the following statements relate to the early history of english language identify the set that give incorrect statements okay we are going to identify the correct statements now if you look at the correct statement english has borrowed words like sky give law and leg from norse okay that's correct english has also borrowed some pronouns like they their them from norse so please remember it is from old norse language that we have borrowed pronouns then after the norman conquest french became the language of court the language of nobility and society and literature that's true following the among the french words that came into english are study logic grammar noun okay so you need to just have a look at a few french words a few old norse words and a few vikings words so that in case you get such a question you at least can identify a few words which have been borrowed from different languages okay so these are few correct statements in january 2017 there was a question which among the following does not belong to indo european language family now there are four options the first is english second is german third is scandinavian and the fourth is finnish now english is definitely indo european language german is also related to english scandinavian is also a part of english because if you look at the positioning of britain there was a lot of influence of scandinavia on england therefore you can say that even that's an indo european language finnish is not an indo european language in june 2014 there was a question most culinary terms culinary terms mean cooking terms in english are derived from so cooking terms cooking vocabulary has been derived from french vocabulary or french language so do remember that it is the french language from which we have borrowed the culinary terms so that's it for this audio lecture we'll meet soon in the next audio lecture till the time we meet next happy learning Keep loving literature and stay tuned to arpitakarva.com. Hi friends, I'm Arpita Karva, and in this audio lecture, I'm going to talk about some popular magazines and journals. So we are going to start with 18th century, and we are going to move all the way till 20th century. And in this period of about 200 to 50 years, we are going to cover 
included Samuel Johnson, David Hume, H-U-M-E Hume, and Oliver Goldsmith. All of them are associated with critical review. Next is Watchman. Watchman, W-A-T-C-H, Watch, M-A-N, Man. Published in 1976, a very short-lived periodical, just published in 1796. Edited and published by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And it was printed by Nathaniel Biggs. Nathaniel, N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L, N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L, Nathaniel Biggs. B-I-G-G-S, B-I-G-G-S. Next we have Edinburgh Review, Edinburgh Review, E-D-I-N-B-U-R-G-H, E-D-I-N-B-U-R-G-H, Edinburgh Review, R-E-V-I-E-W, published from 1802 till 1835, 1802-1835. Till 1835. It is one of the most influential British magazine which promoted romanticism and Whig political ideas. Whig political party ideas support They used to write it in Edinburgh Review. Lay Hunt, L-E-I-G-H, Lay Hunt, Walter Scott, Bertrand Rizel. They all were associated with this magazine. Lay Hunt. Walter Scott and Bertrand Rudel, B-E-R-T-R-A-N-D-R-U-S-S-E-L-L-R-U-S-S-E-L-L, Bertrand Rudel. Ninth is Examiner, published from 1808 till 1886, 1808 till 1886, weekly paper founded by Lay and John Hunt. Lay, L-E-I-G-H, Lay Hunt and John Hunt. When I was talking about Lay Hunt in the Romantic Age, I discussed his famous poem, Abu Ben Edel. Okay, so he's the same man who founded this weekly paper called Examiner. Also, Lord Byron, T.B. Shelley, John Keats and William Hazlitt are associated with Examiner. Lord Byron, T.B. Shelley, John Keats, William Hazlitt. Later in the Victorian period, it continued and William McPeak Thackeray, Charles Dickens and John Stuart Mill, they all were contributors. John Stuart Mill, the one who gave utilitarian principles, William McPeak Thackeray, the writer of Vanity Fair and Charles Dickens, they all were also the contributors of Examiner. Moving forward to the 10th work, we have Quarterly Reviews, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-Y, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-Y, Quarterly Reviews, founded in 1809 by John Murray, John Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y. This quarterly review became famous because there was an article published in 1817 by John Wilson Croker, C-R-O-K-E-R, John 
Wilson Croker, who attacked John Keats in a review of Endymion. John Keats wrote Endymion, and John Wilson Croker attacked this work, Endymion, and called him to belong to the Cockney school of poetry. I have discussed this already in the previous. module wherein i was talking about literary movements and groups so john wilson croker said that john keats belongs to cockney school of poetry shelley blamed this article croker's article for bringing the death of john keats and said that it is these reviews which killed john keats so because of this controversial discussion on endymion quarterly review becomes important the 11th journal or periodical that i'm going to discuss is germ g e r m germ the full title is germ thoughts towards nature in art and literature thoughts towards nature in art and literature i'm pretty sure that is you read and made notes on module number 9 then you must be aware that germ is a magazine or a periodical associated with pre-raphaelite brotherhood pre-raphaelite brotherhood pg rosetti was a part of pre-raphaelite brotherhood and in order to disseminate the ideas related to pre-raphaelite brotherhood they started a journal called germ it was not a success only four issues were published and job was renamed art and poetry being thought towards nature conducted principally by artists art and poetry job magazine was renamed art and poetry being thought towards nature conducted principally by artists 12th is the magazine Atlantic A T L A N T I C Atlantic It's an American magazine founded in 1857 in Boston The magazine published leading writers commentary on abolition education and other political affairs Founders were Francis H Underwood Francis H Underwood and James Russell Lowell James Russell R U W L L E W L Lowell L O W E W L Lowell prominent writer associated to Atlantic are Ralph Waldo Emerson Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Henry Wadsworth Longfellow W A D S W O R D H Wadsworth Longfellow Harriet Beecher Stowe Harriet Beecher Stowe S T O W E Next is all the year round all the year round R O U N D all the year round Victorian periodical which was published weekly and it was founded and owned by Charles Dickens published between 1859 till 1895 1859 till 1895 14 English Review English Review 
popular literary magazine published from 1908 till 1937 1908 till 1937 founded by ford medox ford 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 medox ford and he says that the reason why he started this is in a rage that there was no place in england to print a poem by thomas hardy he was disappointed that there's nobody who is willing to print poems written by writers like thomas hardy and that is why i have developed a literary magazine wherein writers like thomas hardy works can be printed so it was founded by ford medox ford moving forward next is poetry a magazine of verse poetry colon a magazine of verse b e r s e published in chicago since 1912 founded by harriet munro harriet munro m o n r o e m o n r o e cs eliot's famous poem love song of j alfred prufrock was first published in this magazine poetry a magazine of verse later works of hilda doolittle robert frost langston hughes mariana moore were also published in work in this particular journal but remember love song of j alfred prufrock was published in poetry a magazine of verse founded by harriet munro m o n r o e next is egoist e g o i s t E G O I S T Egoist It's a literary magazine published from 1914 till 1919 1914 till 1919 and it was publishing the early modernist poetry and fiction early mo- magazine published from 1914 till 1919 1914 till 1919 and it was publishing the early modernist poetry and fiction early modernist poetry and fiction it was founded by dora marsden dora marsden m a r s d e n D O R A Dora M A R S D E N Dora Marsden and Harriet Shaw Weaver Harriet H A R I E T Harriet Shaw S H A W Shaw Weaver W E A V E R and Ezra Pound had a great influence on Dora Marsden and Harriet Shaw Weaver and it also published some controversial parts of james joyce ulysses next we have the literary magazine blast b l a s t blast now this was published by ezra pound e z r a ezra p o u n d and another editor was windham lewis w y n d h a m L E W I S Ezra Pound and Windham Lewis together 
started the literary magazine called Blast. Next we have Criterion. C-R-I-T-E-R-I-O-N. C-R-I-T-E-R-I-O-N. Criterion. It was published monthly and it was created by the poet, dramatist and literary critic T.S. Eliot. T.S. Eliot's Wasteland was published in Criterion. Other contributors are Luingi Pirandolo, Virginia Woolf, E.M. Foster, W.B. Yeats, and Ezra Pound. Luingi Pirandolo, the famous writer of Six Characters in Search of an Author, Virginia Woolf, Ezra Pound, E.M. Foster, and W.B. Yeats. Moving on to 19th, the periodical is Scrutiny, colon, a quarterly review. Scrutiny, colon, a quarterly review. This was a periodical founded in 1932 by L.C. Knights, L.C.L. dot C dot Knights, K-M-I-G-H-T-S, L.C. Knights and F.R. Lewis, L-E-A-V-I-X, F for Fan, R for Rose, F.R. Lewis. Scrutiny was widely read and F.R. Lewis became influential in 20th century literary criticism because of this periodical scrutiny. Then we have Critical Quarterly. Critical Quarterly. Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-Y. Critical Quarterly established in 1958 by C.B. Cox. C B C for cat, B for boy, C B Cox, C O X, and A E Dyson, D Y S O N, A for apple, E for elephant, A E Dyson. Now, Critical Quarterly is internationally renowned for the unique blend of literary criticism, cultural studies, poetry, and fiction. So you will see that in this journal, whole range of cultural forms are discussed. Cinema, television appear alongside the analysis of the accepted literary canon. So it does not only discuss the poetry and fiction, but also other forms of cultural studies like cinema and television. Now we move on to 21st work that is Writers Workshops Publication. Mislin, M-I-S-C-E-L-L-A-N-Y, M-I-S-C-E-L-L-A-N-Y, Mislini. So Mislini is a periodical published by Writer's Workshop. Writer's Workshop was founded in 1958 and it consisted of a group of writers which was headed by P. Lal, P. Lal. Now, Pilal agreed in principle that English had proved its ability as a language and therefore English should play a creative role in Indian literature through original writing and translation. So, he encouraged the authors of Indian writing in English like Nazim Ezekiel, Kamla Das, Ruskin Bond, A.K. Ramanujan to write works in English and get it published in Miss Linney because he wanted that English should 
influence and play a creative role in the development of Indian literature. Okay, so Indian writing in English to promote karne ke liye, Miscellany was founded by T. Lord. Okay. Uh, now, you should also remember that writer's workshop which was headed by P. Lal also pioneered the systematic publication of classical translation of Indian regional language literature into English. For example, Mahabharat which is written in regional languages was written, like translated in English and it was published by P. Lal under writer's workshop. Finally, we move on to the last topic that is TESOL, TESOL quarterly. This is the name TESOL. TESOL is an international association which is known as Teachers of English to Speakers of Other Languages. TESOL stands for Teachers of English to Speakers of other languages. T stands for teachers of, T stands for English to, S stands for speakers, O stands for other and languages, L stands for languages. So TESOL is an international association which publishes a journal called TESOL Quarterly. And this is the largest professional organization for teachers of English as a second language, that means ESL ke jo teachers hote, English as a second language. This particular organization is specifically for the teachers who are teaching language, English language to students whose native language is not English and they publish this journal which fosters inquiry into English language teaching and learning and in this journal, they share their research findings and explore ideas in relationship in the field of English language. So these are few important literary magazines, periodicals and journals which you must remember. Now let's have a look at a few previous year questions. In December 2004, there was a question, Miscellany was published from, and the correct answer is from the Writer's Workshop. Miscellany is published from Writer's Workshop. In December 2009, there was a question, Poetry, a magazine of verse, was founded by Harriet Munro in which year? So it was founded by Harriet Munro in 1912. In June 2015, there was a question, F.R. Lewis and Q.T. Lewis launched a critical journal devoted to the moral centrality of English studies. Name the journal. So F.R. Lewis and Q.D. Lewis started the journal called Scrutiny, S-C-R-U-T-I-N-Y, Scrutiny, a quarterly review. In July 2018, there was a question, from among the following, identify the journal that publishes articles on English language teaching and learning. And the correct answer is T-E-S-O-L, quarterly. In December 2013, there was a question, listed below are some English journals widely read by professionals. Screen, Critical Quarterly, Review of English, Vaka Firi. One of the above founded by C.B. Cox and now being edited by Colin McCabe. 
carries not only critical and scholarly essays but reviews of film culture language and contemporary political issues identify the journal so the journal which was founded by cb cox is critical quarterly in january 2017 there was a question they asked us to match the periodical with the founder so if you look then egoist is published by hans harriet weaver and dora marsden english review is published by ford medox ford blast is published by windham lewis and ezra pound and poetry a magazine of verse is published by harriet munro so that's it for this audio lecture we'll meet soon in the next audio lecture till the time we meet next happy learning latin fiction and that is when dictionary words hi friends i'm arpita karwa and in this audio lecture i'm going to talk about popular dictionaries so the word dictionary was invented by an englishman called john of garland john of garland g e r l a n d g a r l a n d john of garland and this word was invented in the year 1220 okay he wrote a book called dictionaries to help with latin diction and that is when dictionary word came into being but when was the first dictionary published so the first purely english alphabetical dictionary was published in 1604 by a school teacher called robert cowdrey c a w d r e y c a w d r e y robert cowdrey published the first dictionary in 1604 and the name of the dictionary was a table alphabetical a table alphabetical the only surviving copy of this dictionary is found at the bodleian library in oxford b o d l e i a n b o d l e i a n bodleian library in oxford After Robert Cowdrey the next person to make a dictionary was Thomas Blount Thomas Blount B L O U N T he published Glossographia in the year 1656 Glosso G L O S O G R A P H I A Glossographia in 1656 and in this particular work he brought 10000 words together along with their etymologies or histories that means the origin ye word kahan se aaya hai inki puri information dete hue 10000 words ko ek sath list down kiya thomas blount ne but then it was not until samuel johnson published his dictionary which is known as a dictionary of english language this was published in the year 1755 and it was not until this that a more reliable english dictionary was produced johnson's masterwork could be judged as the first dictionary which we know modern dictionary 
So Samuel Johnson's A Dictionary of English Language is known as the first modern dictionary. So far I've told you three dictionaries. Robert Cowdray's A Table Album published in 1604. Thomas Blount's Glossographia published in 1656. And then we have Samuel Johnson's Dictionary of English Language published in 1755. Johnson's Dictionary remained the English language standard for over 150 years until the Oxford University Press began writing in the Oxford English Dictionary. So it took them nearly 50 years to complete this huge work and finally they released the complete Oxford English Dictionary also known as OED in 12 volumes in the year 1928. So Oxford English Dictionary remains the most comprehensive and trusted English language dictionary till this date with revisions and updates added by a dedicated team every three months. So Oxford English Dictionary is the principal historical dictionary of the English language. Why historical dictionaries? Because in Oxford English Dictionary, the history of each word is traced. You are going to get the historic root of that word. From which language, from in which context this word was first used. So this detail is given about each and every work which is published under Oxford English Dictionary, published by Oxford University Press. So it traces the historical development of English language, providing a comprehensive resource to scholars and academic researchers, as well as describing usage of each word in different manners. The first electronic version of this dictionary was made available in 1988 and the first online version was made available in 2000. So remember it was published in 1928, electronic version published in 1988, sorry it was published in 1928, electronic version was made available in 1988 and online version was made available in 2000. Now this was done in Britain. What about America? Since America is also one of the most important country associated with English language, they must be having their own dictionary as well. So yes, you're correct. In America, there's a man called Noah Webster, N-O-A-H Noah Webster, W-E-B-S-T-E-R. Noah Webster published the first American dictionary in the year 1806, which is known as a compendious dictionary of English language. A compendious dictionary of English language. C-O-M-P-E-N-D-I-O-U-S. C-O-M-P-E-N-D-I-O-U-S. A compendious dictionary of English language. Later, he published a full dictionary, a modern dictionary, which is known as an American Dictionary of English Language and this was published in the year 1828. So Oxford Dictionary was published in 1928 but American Dictionary was published in 1828 and it is known as an American Dictionary of English Language and because of this Noah Webster is called as the father of American scholarship and education father of American scholarship and education.
Now, if you remember, there's a very, very famous dictionary known as Merriam-Webster Dictionary. This Merriam-Webster Dictionary is actually Noah Webster's dictionary. What happened was that after Noah Webster died, a man called George and Charles Merriam founded a company known as Merriam Company. And in 1843, after Noah Webster died, the company brought the rights to an American Dictionary of English Language from Webster's estate. And that is why it is now known as Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Because uh, Webster was the one who made this dictionary and Merriam was the company which brought the rights to this dictionary. That's why it's known as Merriam-Webster Dictionary, published in the year 1828. Now let's have a look at a few questions and see if we can answer the questions. In December 2012, there was a question. The year 1828 is the landmark in the history of American language and literature. Identify the reason from the following. So the correct answer is Noah Webster published an American Dictionary of English Language in that year. In September 2013, there was a question. The best source for historical evidence of individual words in English is. So which is the best source? It's Oxford English Dictionary. In December 2015, there was a question. American Dictionary of English Language was a work of Dash published in Dash. So it was a work of Noah Webster published in 1828. In July 2016, there is a question. Published in 1604, the first monolingual English dictionary was, and the correct answer is Robert Cadrew's Table Alphabetical. In November 2017, they asked, the Oxford English Dictionary was published in 12 volumes with its current title in the year, and the correct answer is 1928. So that's it for this audio lecture. We'll meet soon in the next audio lecture. Till the time we meet next, happy learning. Keep loving literature and stay tuned. Hi friends, I'm Arpita Karva and in this audio lecture, I'm going to talk about the Peel-Wolf Hypothesis. Now, once we complete this chapter, we are going to move to another chapter in which we would be discussing different methods of teaching English language. And when it comes to teaching English language, we need to also realize the fact that language shapes our views. The language we use shows how we perceive the world. So Sapir Wolf hypothesis is an hypothesis which talks about the same thing. See we all know that culture refers to the values and norms and beliefs of a society. Our culture can be thought as a lens through which we experience the world and we develop the shared meaning with the world. Like Indian culture is different from the American culture. Okay, and we are going to look at anything through the lens of our own culture. We should also understand the fact that language we use is created in response to the cultural needs. This tarik of culture is language we use. In other words, we can say that there is an obvious relationship between the way in which we talk, the language we use, and how we perceive the world. It always, a 
appears to us that we can judge a person from the language he uses because language is going to showcase his views his values his beliefs so the words he used the sentences he framed the choice of vocabulary is going to tell us a lot about how he perceives the world edward sapirs and his student benjamin watt were interested in answering this question and together they created what we know as the sapir watt hypothesis what is sapir watt hypothesis sapir watt hypothesis states that how we look at the world is largely determined by our thought processes and it also states that our language shapes our reality in other words the language we use shapes the way we think and perceive the world i'll give you a very simple example to make you understand this topic there are these two best friends one is john and the other one is mary okay now both of them work in the same hospital john initially wanted to be a doctor but later he changed his mind and decided that he would be a nurse like mary now because of this decision of john's john was often teased about his career choice he was told that a man should be a doctor and not a nurse he was always referred to as male nurse now this shows that society believes that nurse is a women profession that means whenever i say that nurse is coming to my house it immediately creates a image of a female dressed in white dress coming in my house so you can see how language is going to shape our reality that means if we are using a term there is a cultural belief associated with that term when we say that he is a male nurse it itself shows that nurse is a profession which should be taken by a female but in the case of john he chose to be a nurse and therefore he is going to be referred as male nurse so sapir watt hypothesis says that language we use shapes the way we think and how we see the world okay in september 2013 there was a question which of the following statements cannot be subsumed under the sapir watt hypothesis okay the first statement is each language presents us with its own categorization of the universe that's true the language we use shows how we categorize the universe in case of john and mary we categorize nurse as a profession of female and doctor as a profession of male second statement language is a guide to social reality definitely if i want to see the reality of a society i need to interact with the people of that society and see what kind of language they use third one adjusts to reality essentially without the use of language that's not true we cannot adjust to the reality without changing the language if you look at the change that we can see in indian society in the past 50 years the language has also changed with the social change if women are more given more freedom so the language that people generally use about females these days are different from the way they used to talk
years back. So one can only adjust to reality by changing the use of language. And the fourth, a language in society that uses it interlocked. That means language and society are interlocked. They are associated to each other. That's true. So the only incorrect statement is one adjusts to reality essentially without the use of language. So that's it for this audio lecture. We'll meet soon in the next audio lecture. Till the time we meet next. Happy learning. Keep loving literature. And stay tuned to arpatakarva.com. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.